well, welcome back to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine, the podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend to know about wine. My name is Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. You guys get that? Oh, long time ago. Where, where'd you, well, who's your frame hookup? You guys have very good frames. Well, the frames were part of the pictures because we bought these at art auction. Those are really good frames. Those frames would cost a fortune. Why is frame? Why are frames? It's one of those things I'm sure the internet could blow it apart. Yeah, I just... We need somebody making a Warby Parker frame. It's like four pieces of wood. Yeah. Oh, I agree. The markup on framing is just... Alrighty. Well... Hello, and welcome back. We're recording. We are your hosts on this most epic journey through elementary wine. Um, And as usual, well, actually, it isn't usual. I usually forget to mention this. Out of the ordinary, I'm going to remind all of our dear listeners, the best way to listen to this podcast is from the beginning, as is with every podcast. I think it's like absolutely psychotic when someone's like, oh, 360 episodes, I'll start on that episode. It's like, start at the beginning. You got to get to know the show. Even though my dad is convinced we're just crawling along through this wine education. When I'm editing these shows, there's so many things I would not have known about um, even now, 11 episodes later. So uh, be sure to go back, start at episode one, just so you can learn like what a varietal and, and what an AVA is, because those are vocab words we be dropping a lot. Today we have a very special holiday edition. I wanted to get it out there sooner, so I gave my dad no warning on this. Um, so I have to apologize for that, because I really wanted to get this out here sooner, uh, which is about gifting wine. Um, so just, you know, with the holidays coming up, going to parties or this, the easiest gift ever is, is booze. I, Dad, you're not even, you're really, he's, he's like so silent over there. Um, my friend Catherine, who I went to college with, she, we played rugby together and she just got married. So, um, congratulations. And dad, you want to say congratulations? Congratulations. Yes, exactly. Uh, you've probably seen her play rugby, honestly. Probably so. And I went to almost all your games. She just got married and um, they are going to Argentina for their honeymoon, which sounds amazing. And they're going to be in Mendoza for a little bit. And she messaged us asking if we had any suggestions. So dad has consulted his big bad book of wine. Uh, I don't know as much about Malbec as, uh, as I would a number of other varietals. So I'd like to just take a step back and talk about Malbec for a moment. Uh, it's an interesting grape. It's part of the blending grapes that are used in Bordeaux. Uh, but there's a part of France where Malbec is made all by itself, and that's called Cahors. So I would suggest to your friends, that's spelled C-A-H-O-U-R-S. C-O-H-C-A-H. C-A-H-O-U-R-S. Yes, it's a part of France. So I would suggest before they go to Mendoza to get a couple of bottles of Cahors and sort of check out the difference between French Malbec and then the Argentinian Malbec. That's cool. That's a really good idea. Which I think they're going to find the Argentinian wines a lot more straightforward, fruit-forward, alcoholic. The Cahors wine is pretty tannic, and uh, I find them somewhat difficult to approach, but I think it would be a very interesting comparison. So Mendoza, great 
uh, great pick for a wine city. The whole town is actually based on wine. What do you uh, mean by that? Its economy is all wine. No way. Yeah. So it's, I guess, a reasonably short flight from Santiago. One of the distinguishing features about Argentinian wine is that they have some of the highest vineyards in the world. So they routinely grow grapes at 1,000 meters, 1,200 meters. Does that mean they're cold weather grapes? Well, it means that it's a, it's sort of a desert. Um, it's, it's like a desert plain, like out in Washington oh, State. Oh, really? So it's dry. Um, and the, so the and the altitude is the only thing keeping it from turning into an oven. So is is a Malbec a cold or hot weather or? Both? So it's a warm weather grape. Okay. Well, think of it; it's a Bordeaux varietal. Mm. So Bordeaux is a. Warm, you think of it like that. Yeah. That's cool, but I my head wasn't going yeah, there. It's one of the five or six blending grapes of Bordeaux. Um, so yeah, it's a warm warm weather grape. There's a couple of uh, a number of big. Producers uh, Trapiche, uh, Fabre, Montmeu, uh, Norton, uh, Cuvelier, Los Andes, uh, Alpha Cru, but um, and those you, are all those are all producers uh, who make uh, top quality Malbec. But if you go just south of the city, there are literally roads that stretch for miles in a straight line and there's just one vineyard after another um so i'm sure it, once you get there there'll be some wonderful tours that you can take and hire a driver and just head south and yep. make a day right. of it right and if you uh and the other area you may want to check out while you're there is about 40 kilometers south which is the Uko valley which also has exploded in terms of uh, Malbec and uh, warm weather. 40 kilometers is pretty far. What? 40 kilometers is pretty far. Am I well, wrong? you wouldn't walk it. Well, <laughs> but that's like, I mean... Like 20, 25, like 25, 28 miles. So you get a driver. Wait, isn't it more? Oh, okay. 1.5 okay. to the mile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, dude. <laughs> this isn't Dad teaches me the metric system. The metric system, okay. Yeah. Um, so, so the, you could do that in a day easily. Well, exactly. So a great, Hire a driver. A great, yeah, great day trip would be, uh, to the Uko Valley and Katena is one of the big producers down there. So do you think the, all those producers you just named were, um, would have like tasting rooms and stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You have the luxury of, you know, driving down the road or even better having someone else driving you down the road and. Just stopping in places you've never heard of, tasting their wine, seeing if you like it, see if they export to the United States. Oh, this is what they should get before they leave. Some of those vino bags. Yes. They should get some of those vino, especially because it's your honeymoon. It could be kind of special to buy some bottles and save them. What is a wine? Is there a Dumal? Does Malbec tend to stay? Keep? Keep. Yes, you can age Malbec, but your biggest problem is going to be getting it into the United States because of the duty laws. So check the state you're flying into, because wherever you clear customs, uh, that is the jurisdiction of how much alcohol you can bring in. Okay, so if you clear customs in New York, you need to know the New York laws. Yep. So, 
but they can get these bags that are like in the shape of wine and they're basically lined with like bubble wrap and they're like double sealed at the bottom. My mom got some of them before we went to Portugal and basically bring a couple of those. They take- excellent, excellent suggestion. Well, um, have a fun trip, guys. Congratulations. Congrats. Cool. Well, so then for the remainder of the episode, we just wanted to talk a little bit. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't give my dad any heads up about, he thought we were just, we're talking about California today. Um, so we're just chatting about, um, giving wine as a gift or bringing it, you know, it's the holiday season, um, hostess gift, in-laws, holiday party, secret santa white elephant dad's like yeah okay madeline people give gifts this time of year you don't need to explain why yeah exactly (laughs) so it boils down to um i think the sort of level of gift that you're trying to um well in terms of who you're buying this for is this the annoying neighbor next door who's having a uh you know a brunch and you have to bring something or is this your boss and you uh, you want to... Um... That's your phone, dude. No, I know. I didn't want to stop. Oh, no, you can keep going. He was waving at me. I was like, that's your phone. No, no, I know. It's mine. Uh, oh, you have to answer. Hello? Uh, quick interruption by my brother. Um, he never listens to these, so if we want to talk crap on him, this is the perfect <laughs> venue for it. Um, Okay, I totally agree with you. I think that we should kind of break it down into... With the price point, I agree. It's kind of like, I have to show up with something versus I want a promotion at work. Yes. So, let's start on the lower end. Oh, I prefer to start at the higher end. Okay, well... (laughs) Well, you're the one giving the advice, Dad, so we'll go with you. So, you're, you're going to your boss's house... And you want to bring him a bottle of wine that shows that you're classy and culture. So probably the easiest thing to do is champagne. Uh, champagne always impresses. Like actual champagne, not just sparkling wine. Correct. Yes. I would bring sparkling wine to the annoying neighbor next door. I would bring real champagne to my boss. Uh-huh. So that means something from... Uh, either Rem or Epernay in France. Um, so Champagne uh, is typically made by large Champagne houses. It is non-vintage mm-hmm. for the most part. No year. No year. And it is blended from various years in order to make a uniform product. So uh, French Champagne from a major house typically runs in the $50 range and the the names to look for would be like uh, Boulanger, Tatjay, Veuve Clicquot. Um, These are some... I almost skipped the Veuve. I feel like that's almost cliche at this point. I like those first two you mentioned. (laughs) Well, when your mom and I started drinking it, nobody was drinking it. But yeah, I guess now it's sort of become very... Uh, it's very widely distributed. Yeah, it's a widely distributed wine now. So, uh, but these are but these are major houses. So there's two variations you can do. One is if you really like your boss, and and he's a wine person, so he would know the difference. You can get uh, vintage champagne. So in a very good year, and it averages maybe every four to five years, 
uh, Champagne, the entire district, will declare a vintage year. How do they agree on that? Oh, I guess they just go, wow, the sun's really great in August and whatever. And They're like patting each other, like, can't wait. It's been <laughs> yeah, a exactly. good year, guys. Yeah. So you can buy vintage champagne. That tends to be more in the $100 range. Uh-huh. Uh, and all the major houses uh, make vintage champagnes. And the most famous champagnes are all vintage champagnes. So... Cristal and Dom Perignon. There oh. are there are no non-vintage Dom Perignon. There, those are all vintage. Oh, they literally only produce. Yes. They only release in years that Champagne has decided. Yes, yes. Those are only produced in vintage years. Oh, that's nuts! I didn't even know that. Correct. So there's less of it, and the price is more, and yada yada yada. Of Why course. would you write on the label? Like, Merry Christmas 2017 signed Joey or whatever. Is that a classy move or is that a weird move? I tend... I I would write it on the back so you don't obscure the label. Yeah. But I would identify yourself, especially if you're going to a large gathering where everyone's sort of throwing a bunch of wine around on a table. And the fact that you brought a $100 bottle... And everybody else brings a twenty dollar yeah, bottle. Yeah, you don't want Freddie from want... marketing to get the credit for <laughs> you, your bottle. Yeah, you got it. So the easiest way to do that is just to take a sharpie and say "Merry Christmas," you know, Fred. Fred, yeah. Fred, who's up for review next month? Wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. So why do you say something sparkling? Like, why do you think that's a move? It just seems celebrate, like gifty. Yeah, it's celebratory. It can be used. You can serve champagne virtually at any meal. You could start any meal with champagne. It's the perfect uh, aperitif. You can serve it before the meal. Uh, it's it's really uh, the true chameleon of all wines. But if you weren't going to go something fizzy, what, what kind of wine would you choose? Red, white? Uh, if the person has any wine knowledge experience at all, I would do red. If they're kind of soft on wine then you'd probably want to go white because uh-huh. white is the basically starter wine. Virtually everybody starts drinking wine by drinking white wine. Yeah. And then they sort of grow tired of it and eventually move into the reds where all the, the action and the interest is. Uh-huh. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, the fact is that all of the really interesting whites cost an arm and a Three leg. Three gazillion dollars. Yeah. So you can find a lot more interest at reasonable prices with red wines. So what kind of red wine would you buy your boss? So we mentioned uh, the three B's of Italy. Um, Barolo. Um, no, don't tell me. Do our listeners really want to? I wait can edit this part this out. out. Barolo. Um. Barbaresco and... Further south. I know I should know this. I took a trip there when we were in Tuscany. Brunello. Correct. I got them all, Dad. See? (laughs) Are you proud? Absolutely. The three B's of Italy. So uh, any wine from these areas would be uh, worthy of a gift to the boss. Yeah. Because these are all uh, tend to be top quality wines, and also, it's also um, 
enophile signaling. It's basically signaling to him that you know something about wine because mm-hmm. you pick something uh, out of the uh, out of the usual uh, crush. The three Bs. Out okay. of the three Bs. Okay, yes. so that's what, and do those have a price point anywhere from like you know fifty to a hundred? So you can find something kind of within your yeah, range. Yeah, anywhere from about forty to five hundred. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Give him the option if you want to bring your boss your entire paychecks worth of wine. Yeah. Um, okay. So then, do we want to move like a tier down then into? Because I think forty dollars is enough. You don't need to look into whites. You know, just get them. Um, for so a tier down, maybe not your crazy neighbor, but maybe just you know a good friend that you want to get them something nice, but you know you're not like necessarily trying to like. You know, you don't want him to feel uh, like he owes you. You owe him. Well, yeah, some friend that like understands your income level and would just be like, <laughs> "You need better decision making skills." Yeah. Uh, some of the uh, some of the Napa, general Napa Valley wines that we were talking about. So, a Pinot Noir or a Chardonnay from Carneros. Okay, Pinot Noir Chardonnay from Carneros, which is outside of... That's in Napa Valley. South of... Very southern end of Napa Valley. Okay. And they and they do sparkling wine in Carneros as well. They do do sparkling wine. Uh, they do a lot of sparkling wine in Carneros because it grows the Chardonnay grape. And Chardonnay is the backbone is the of, of, of most... A lot of uh, sparkling wine. So you're so, so you're thinking some cold weather grape from Carneros would be a nice mid range, right? And that's and white and red. Similarly, uh, Russian River Valley, which is in the Sonoma, which is mm-hmm. at the northern end of Sonoma, is another good, uh, cool, uh, uh, cool grape uh, producing area. So again, Shards and Pinot Noirs. Which in general are good, accessible wine for people who even don't drink a lot of wine. Yeah. They're not, they don't tend to be very complex or hard to understand wines or difficult to approach. Mm-hmm. So as a gift, it, it, it makes sense, especially to someone who doesn't drink a lot of wine. So these wines can easily be found uh, 20 to $30 price yeah. point. Is there something in the Monterey area that you'd suggest? Something uh, from the Santa Lucia Highlands? Well, Santa Lucia Highlands, you'd be a little bit pressed to find anything less than $30. But um, the there are good uh, producers uh, like Morgan and Talbot in that area that produce uh, very solid wines that can be had for $20. Okay, cool. Good to know. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, that's a good kind of, you know, buddy old pal. Here's a wine from me to you. Um, and then, so do we want to go down? Is there another level you see in there? Well, the, it, if you, uh, don't want to. Because $20 is kind of like. Right. Fair. Like, yeah. it's kind of almost weird to bring. Well, if you're going, them. if you're going next door, um, I tend to think if you're going next door to the to the crazy neighbor, I tend to think of wines that are um, fun to drink, uh, but are again very inexpensive. And these are wines easily under twenty dollars. So uh, the sparklies from Cava, so the the wine region around Barcelona that produces sparkling wines, 
Mm-hmm. So cava, uh, wine, uh, the proseccos from Italy um, are uh, both good uh, wines uh, at a very very reasonable price point, and they're not they're not cheap wines. They're just inexpensive, but they tend to be well made. Uh, the other one is uh, sparkling wines from the Loire Valley. Uh, if, of France uh-huh. uh, are also great values or from uh, Limoux the, the sparkling wine from Limoux uh, in southern France is another $15, $18 bottle of wine is there any non-sparkling wine in that kind of like 12 to 18 range that you think is like a good value and not like gonna really offend someone like you're bringing two buck chuck it's kind of more of a well, yeah, there, there certainly are. Uh, probably the easiest, best value wine on the planet is, is probably Cote de Rhone. So the Cote de Rhone is the, the southern end of the Rhone where it gets close to the Mediterranean. And these are wines that generally are um, GSM-based. Mm-hmm. So Grenache, Saravedra. Uh, varying degrees of each. Um, and there's actually different villages of Cote d'Aron if you want to take a one notch up. But these wines are all well less than um, $20. Yeah. Uh, in the Southern Rhone, there's a great white wine that, that's a very uh, piquant, uh, interesting wine called Picpou de Pinay. Okay. And that's $10, $12 wine. Uh-huh. As are the wines, as are the maritime wines on the Portugal-Spain uh, border, mm-hmm. uh, which we've talked about before, the Rias Bias and the, uh, the Vino Verde wines. These are all 10 I was going to say, is Vino Verde like a, a fair wine to bring, kind of just? Yeah, I, I th- again, if, if that's the, the price point that... Um, you're working with that you're working with yeah all right is there a wine related gift like so obviously as anyone can tell done this for 11 episodes my dad kind of likes wine it's not this this isn't a new thing it's been like this my whole life so you have received wine related gifts as long as i can remember people are always gifting you something is there one thing that you can remember that you've ever gotten that you were like that you were like Wow, this one, like, I know you liked your rabbit wine opener. What's a wine gift that you might have not, It would a decanter be a cool thing to give someone, or? Yeah, there's a whole range of things that you can get people. There's the, the Well, books, what are the ones that you actually think are worth the money? Um, I think a basic decanter is worth the money, because if you're going to, if you're going to serve any wine that, that throws sediment, it, the wine should be decanted, and I would say that probably, what, maybe 10% of the households in the country have a decanter. Yeah, so good. So a decanter is certainly a... And um, you can get a basic decanter from Spiegeloo for about $20. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you can you can um, get a Riedel one for 250 but that, it doesn't change the taste of the wine. Decanting is decanting. It doesn't matter what you put it in. Uh, wine openers, there are... The so-called uh, waiter's corkscrew, which is uh, a corkscrew that has a little articulated arm in order to help yeah. elevated, 
elevate the wine. Um, I mean, there are very basic types and they go all the way up to hundreds of dollars for made out of, you know, deer horn and yeah, what various is the other... point of that? So I have no idea. You liked your rabbit though. And then there are the automatic ones. So the the four stroke, the four stroke uh, remove and pop the the cork uh, removers. Um, they tend to run. You can probably get one from Target now for about thirty or forty dollars. But they break eventually, don't they? Yeah the the corks the corkscrews themselves. Uh, if they're used a lot, you wear off the Teflon and then they don't go down and they. They don't go down through the cork. They actually push the cork. And oh, yikes. You start running into trouble with it. But it, you can actually get replacements for some of the more expensive ones. Uh, but that's a great gift for somebody who really likes wine. Um, and even you, the Riedel glasses are another thing you think are a really good wine gift. Certainly. Anyone who drinks wine seriously is going to want to have serious glasses. Uh, there are probably 50 different grades of glasses i tend to get mine on the the internet and buy them by the dozen because they they tend to get smashed up pretty easily yeah but you can get a beautiful glass for five dollars but yeah but you can buy sets of riedels from like target or or sam's club like they do like discounted versions and right as i said they they have they have entry-level glasses all the way up to these you know fine hand-blown crystal glasses at $150 a piece. Um, again, the experience of drinking the wine is a function of the size of the bowl. So whether the bowl is made of, you know, microscopically thin crystal or or regular glass, it really isn't all that important to the wine experience, which is a large bowl that you can stick your nose into. Okay. And then I guess my last question uh, would be maybe a wine book or wine magazine uh, subscription or a book that someone might? Well, the Wine Spectator certainly is sort of the the Bible, as it were, of the um, of the of the wine industry. Yeah, and uh, it has informative articles, which are geared towards the uninformed. So each article will have a map and a description of the area, so you can learn. You don't need to be educated about wine to learn about things when you read their articles. Yeah. Um, the Their recommendations for wine tend to be heavily industry uh, biased. So I don't worry so much about the wines they give good ratings to. Yeah. But it's certainly a good way every month to get an education about yeah. a different part of the world or whatever. And that's how I started. I used to subscribe to the spectator I don't any longer um, and then the, uh, the 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 one wine book that I would think every yeah. wine lover has to have is uh, uh, what's his, uh, the wine Robert. atlas uh, by um, my dad's grabbing his right yeah, now I'm maybe I can trouble old, him I'm blanking for... on names yeah huge Johnson's. wait hold it up here come well, over this here. is an old edition the wine. Oh, I've seen this around the house so many times. Yeah, so it's the the uh, at, the World Atlas of Wine uh, by Hugh Johnson and now uh, Genesis Robinson is a uh, is a contributor. Okay. Uh, she being, I think, the first female master of wine, uh, but uh, it's really 
exquisite detail of every major wine producing area in the world and uh, what goes in, what the, the grapes are, what the quality factors are. It, it really is a uh, an invaluable resource. If you only get one book about wine, that would be it. Get yourself an, an atlas of wine. That, um, that particular Hugh Johnson. one. Yeah. <coughs> Hugh Johnson's atlas of wine, maybe also with Jancis. Well, depending on the edition, I'm sure, you know, if you don't mind getting an old one, you can probably get get one uh, at, on eBay for 10 bucks. But uh, the latest edition is probably on the order of, I don't know, 70 or $80. Oh, it's not. Okay. Well, you said, though, that the big ones will be in the old version. So it's fine to get an older. If you just want a basic, if you just want a basic knowledge of things, if you're just starting out, an old edition is just as good because... As I've said many times before, it's a knowledge of geography yeah. and climate. Mm. Well, I think that's great. I think we have a, a, ve- a very good guide there um, for how to gift wine. Uh, cool. Well, Dad, it's been a pleasure, as always. Um, thanks for letting me hang out in your office and use your electric blanket. That'd be a good gift for anybody. Don't, electric blankets cannot be beat. Um All right, well, happy holidays, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. We release episodes every single Wednesday, so be sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, The best place to get updates on our show is on our Instagram page, at Dad Teaches Me About Wine. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or corrections, please feel free to shoot us an email at Dad teaches me about wine at gmail.com. Um, and yes, if you could please uh, subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes, that would be so helpful. We're currently giving shout outs to everyone on the podcast that leaves us a review on iTunes. And yeah, if you also have a wine question, uh, just as you heard at the beginning of this episode, we'd be happy to answer it for you. So please, you know, Instagram message us or uh, shoot us an email and we'll answer your questions. All right. Well, Talk to you soon and cheers to that.